If you see that one of the six people I follow on Twitter is myself and then Cardi B, mind your business. Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors, the podcast where I, a business major, make my friends, all English majors, read popular fiction with me. My guest this month is Bailey, who is my roommate from college. Um, we realized last week we have not discussed at all how Bailey and I met and how many, like, weird connections we have to each other. Oh, damn. So. So true, bestie. Okay, do you want to talk about how we met? We, it is, like, hard to explain because neither of us can remember, like, the exact scenario but we did. We went to the same college. Shout out Truman State University. <laughs> go dogs. Um, go dogs. Um, and we had to, as freshmen, get to school like a week before classes started. And we had to take like these pre-class classes about like, I don't know, nonsense. Um, and I think you and I were in like some class having to do with feminism i feel like it uh, was in it was in mclean which makes yeah. me think it was like history related maybe yeah like that's the only thing that i can think of right because um, they hadn't finished doing the construction on what was that baldwin yeah so the history department was really really messed up the first like two or three years we went there I had uh, an intro-level history course in the biggest biology lecture room at the university, which was very strange. But anyway, Bailey and I did this little thing together, and then we both of our own accord showed up to tsunami practice together. Not together. No, separately. Mm -hmm. Um, We both showed up to tsunami practice, and then me, because I cannot do anything halfway... Um, would just, like, for the rest of the year, show up outside of Bailey's dorm 30 minutes early and be like, okay, we get, we have to go throw before practice. Come on. Let's yeah, go for throw. Those, for those not in the loop, Tsunami was the um, club ultimate frisbee team at Truman State University. So Yes. We were so cool. <laughs> oh, my God. Look, fourth at Nationals, eighth at Nationals, yeah. eighth at Nationals twice. Yeah, so we were pretty cool, (laughs) and we were good. Yeah, and then we were roommates for three years, and it was great. Yes, we lived in a little house called The Burb, because it looked like a suburban family should be living there, and one of my favorite memories from college is every, like, Saturday or Sunday morning that we would both be in town, because, like, Bailey would go home, or, like, I would be at a Frisbee tournament, would I would text Bailey from my bed and be like, I'm stuck in here. <laughs> and then from the other side of the wall, I would hear Bailey go, Tucker. <laughs> and then we would either get up and go make pancakes or we would walk what we felt was like four miles to go get muffins. But I've looked it up and it actually was like maybe a little more than half a mile. What? Yo, to die for was not even a full mile from our apartment. 
apartment from our house. Yeah, so Bailey and I just didn't have it like that with walking, but now we do. And now Bailey lives less than a block from me in Kansas City because she cannot stay away. I cannot, and that is so true. (laughs) Okay, let's see. Let's go through the little outline. Okay, Bailey is doing the best job ever of running the social media because (laughs) I was very overwhelmed by it, and she was like, give it to me. I've got all these memes saved up. I'm so excited. So if you guys are enjoying the social media, you guys can thank Bailey. Bailey, can I can I tell them to follow you at your actual Insta? Oh my gosh. Okay, well, first of all, let's plug uh, all my friends are English majors Insta. <laughs> it's English Majors Pod on Instagram. Um, I don't know a single thing about Twitter. I've never had a Twitter account. So though there is a Twitter, I am I am not facilitating that. So sorry. And I gotta um, tell you, I am not facilitating it either. <laughs> Whoops. They made me, oh my god, this is actually very funny. To make the Twitter account, they made me follow someone, and the only person on the screen that I recognized that I wanted to follow was Cardi B, and they wouldn't <laughs> let me, <laughs> and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me leave the screen until I'd follow someone. So now, all that's on my Twitter feed, because I haven't, like, gone back through and, like, followed everyone that I need to, is just, like, <laughs> Cardi <laughs> No, the worst, it's worse than that. It's just Cardi B stan accounts because Twitter thinks that I'm, like, all in on Cardi B, (laughs) which is objectively just, like, so funny that I almost don't want to change it. No. Yeah. So, anyway, if you see that one of the six people I follow on Twitter is myself and then Cardi B, mind your business. Yeah. Don't, yeah, don't tell funny. I appreciate that. Okay, also, Tucker, um, you just got back from vacation. Tell us about that. I did. I went to New Orleans with Sam, and we went to the World War II Museum, and we went to the Botanical Gardens, and we went to the zoo. We figured out the best way to split up the day was to do, was to have, like, a big activity in the morning that took, like, two to four hours, and then in the afternoon, we'd, like, go find a coffee shop and read or we walk by the river we'd go through the french quarter and then we'd go out to dinner and then we would be like we should do something else and then we'd look at each other and we'd be like oh my god we walked like six miles today all we want to do is go back to the hotel and like watch a movie and go to sleep Mm -hmm. so that's what we did uh we did go to some bookstores i got a different greek myth month book at both of them one was by pat barker that i've already read and one was by Natalie Haynes. So I got I got The Silence of the Girls by Pat Barker. And then I got Stone... Stone Cursed? Oh, no. I got a book by Natalie Haynes about Medusa. And then I made the mistake of reading some Goodreads comments about it. But I still think it's going to be good. Um, because I really loved A Thousand Ships. I thought it was very good. And I liked all the different perspectives. Um, so I think both of those are going to be very good. Um, and I didn't buy any other books because I'm so strong and also everything needed to fit in my backpack to come home. So. True. So brave. So brave. And Greek Myth Month, we went to this wine bar called Bacchanal, which was an elite wreck by one of Sam's Frisbee teammates, um, where... We, you buy a bottle of wine, you like go through a liquor store and then you walk through the back of it and you're in this like courtyard where they have live music. So they just like played live jazz for like three hours and you just like 
drink your bottle of wine and you like scan the QR code at the table and then you like order food to the table. So you like drink your wine and eat your food and listen to your jazz. And it was like exactly the right way to end the trip. Um, but Bacchus is Dionysus in Roman lore. So Ooh. anyway, it all connects, baby. It does all connect. You went on this vacation specifically so that you could carry on Myth Month. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Okay. Do we want to talk about the book? Let's get into it. This is going to be a podcast fraught with conflict, guys, because I really <laughs> like like this book. And it's, like, portrayal of womanhood, and that was not, to my understanding, Bailey's experience. We haven't talked about it because I figured that we can have um, our our conflict on the pod firsthand, oh, so stay tuned. Which is really bad because I hate conflict, so we'll see. Maybe the podcast will be all about me, like, growing in my ability to, like, experience conflict and not just, like, be underwater for the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'm gonna like. I, I, we can have different opinions, and that, and that is okay. No, I don't think I'm gonna. No. Like, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be fine. Okay, we'll. So, little trigger warning. This book is set in ancient Greece. There is not like actively any rape, but there will be discussions of rape because of like. Mm-hmm what these stories are based on. So, reading the back of the book will be me this time because I got my copy back from Bailey because I was like, Bailey, I'm going to read it on the trip. Guess what I read it on? Kindle. I read it on my Kindle because <laughs> I got it from the library. Yeah, I listened to the audiobook again. Okay. Sister, lover, traitor, hero. Ariadne, princess of Crete, grows up listening to her nursemaid's stories of gods and heroes. When Theseus, prince of Athens, arrives to vanquish the Minotaur, her brother, Ariadne, sees in his green eyes not a threat but an escape. Defying the gods, betraying her family and country, and risking everything for love, Ariadne helps Theseus kill the beast. But will Ariadne's decision ensure her happy ending? And what of Phaedra, the beloved younger sister she leaves behind? Hypnotic, propulsive, and utterly transporting, Jennifer Saint's Ariadne forges a new epic, one that puts the forgotten women of Greek mythology back at the heart of the story as they strive for a better world. Okay. I do think that the back of the book oversells it. Yes. But I don't think that the back of the book, like, overselling it negates the fact that, like... It does do what it says, which is, like, put women back in the heart of the story. Because at the center of all of these myths are all of these women that, like, make the story happen. I do think that she is doing what she says she wants to do, which is, like, put forgotten women at the forefront. And I think that we've, what we've discovered throughout the whole story and, like, my main beef with the Song of Achilles was that the women, like, were forgotten again. Mm -hmm. And that you could see that they were missing. So I don't know. I think, yeah, I don't know if it's propulsive, but I, like, do think that it is well-written. My qualms are, I 
do agree that it does um, put women back at the forefront of the story. However, I don't think it does a good job of it. And I think just because, like, the story is from the perspective of two women, Ariadne and Phaedra, um, I felt like it still gave them, specifically Ariadne, like, almost no like distinct personality which i mean we can talk about more when we discuss the characters more in depth okay bailey hit us with a two minute summary i'm i'm gonna count down from three okay three okay two one damn okay so uh ariadne i'm so stressed (laughs) oh my god did you practice no (laughs) oh my god okay wait i'm gonna count down from three again because you've already used 15 seconds (laughs) and nothing's happened okay ready okay yeah three two one okay ariadne right she is the daughter of minos and pacifae aka granddaughter of helios um in this story pacifae is like you know we we all know she fucks the bowl Um, But in this story, it is something that is, like, against her will, and Pacifei, like, kind of goes crazy. Anyway, so they make the Minotaur, right? Minotaur, whatever. (laughs) Um, And then uh, this guy Theseus from Athens comes to Crete, the island that they live on, to um, try and go through the labyrinth and kill the Minotaur. And Ariadne helps him. They don't really go into it, which... I am annoyed by that anyway. So then Ariadne um, leaves uh, Crete with Theseus because she's like, I'm going to marry him. I'm so in love with him. I've met him. I know him for 24 hours anyway. And then he um, takes her to Naxos, which is um, the island of Dionysus and leaves her there. And that kind of sucks. But then you know what? She meets Dionysus and they have five kids together. And also she has a younger sister named Phaedra and in a, alarming turn of events she ends up marrying theseus this guy that really sucks uh and uh, ariadne marries dionysus and they have five kids and then um a lot of things happen and at the end medusa turns her into stone how many minutes is that <laughs> oh my god you did it in a minute and a half great work yo um i did leave some things out but i really had to talk about past fame for some reason <laughs> No, I also think that it is, like, really important that Pacifae's agency is taken. Like, that is something that I think you have to understand in all of these stories, is that, like, a lack of agency is, like, super, super present. And I would much rather have, like, a passive Pacifae than, like, frankly, the huge bitch we dealt with in Cersei, because, like, I think that giving her her like agency over the fact that she like like I guess when she creates the Minotaur like I guess it is cool if she like wants him there for the might of Greece or for Crete but like I don't know I think that it is a lot more lol a lot more real to me that like Pasiphae is a woman like bound against her will to like do this thing because of an action by her husband Right. Well, let's go more into her um, after we talk about some other characters. And why don't you fill in the gaps of the things that I missed? Because I was so stressed. <laughs> so I think the I only the thing story. that you the only thing that you really missed is like Phaedra is like half of the narrative. 
Right. <laughs> or at least, like, a full third of the narrative, which I think is mm-hmm. important. So she marries Theseus. He, she is, like, oh, shit. It's going to be really confusing. I hope I don't get mixed up because I did just read a book called Phaedra. And um, I will I, help you. <laughs> keep it straight. Okay. Phaedra. So Phaedra doesn't marry Theseus right away, right? In right, Ariadne. She goes over she's there too when young. She's 13, yeah. Okay, so Phaedra is like promised to Theseus and sent with Theseus when she's 13 and marries him when she's 18. So she has five years of like really being a part of the Athenian court. And she, like, spends the time, like, learning to manipulate people and, like, being very smart and, like, making her own choices in the way that she can. I don't know. I think we probably need to talk about how we need to, like, see feminism and agency different when we are talking about a time in which women have no power. Because Mm -hmm. I think that, like, people hear feminist retelling and they expect, like... Like, a burning of bras and a killing of men mm-hmm. when, like, really, like, women taking agency in this time, like, is what Ariadne does and is what Phaedra does. And, like, even if it's not, like, a true, like, what we would expect out of a feminist tale. I don't know. I've been reading, not to talk about the heroine with a thousand and one faces again, but I have been, like, reading about like, the heroine's journey in comparison to the hero's journey and, like, what, like, what these women are doing, like, is heroic in comparison to, like, what we would expect heroism to be, like, from, like, a, like, an Amazonian point of view where they would, like, be fighting and, like, cast out all men and that sort of thing. And I think it's dangerous to think of feminism as, like, like, exclusively that perspective which for reading the goodreads reviews like i think was kind of what people wanted Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think that um phaedra being the other narrator in the story was really helpful for me to like be able to get through it honestly um i think that she sort of added a breath i I felt very, like, I felt like a kinship with Phaedra for a while because she is sort of, like, you know, this, like, angry and, like, cunning person a little bit, you know, for for various reasons. Um, And I, like, appreciated that and I was like, yeah, like, it makes sense that she would, like, you know, want to try and, like, slight Theseus in any way possible, like, for a while. Um... And and want to, like, take control of this city that he is supposed to be king of, but, like, doesn't care about it all. And I thought that was slave her. Um, obviously, we can talk a little bit more later about, you know, the perfect man section. <laughs> when, that, when that all goes <laughs> awry. But, yeah, I, I did appreciate her perspective in the story a lot. So... Um, we should probably dig in on on the on the titular character, which will be Ariadne. Um, I As think the book is named after her. It is. Um, so I think we have to remember that without Ariadne, like none of the book happens. Like without Ariadne, 
Because Phaedra wasn't friends with Daedalus, and Daedalus is the one who gives Ariadne the twine to let Theseus be able to get the Minotaur out, or to kill the Minotaur. And get out of the labyrinthia. Yeah, so, like, Ariadne's, like, closeness with Daedalus and her, like, her lack of brashness. Like, this is the rashest thing that she has done ever in her life because of the way that Minos' court works. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I like Ariadne as a character. I like when she is on Dionysus's Mm -hmm. island. Um, Naxos. Is it really Naxos? Mm-hmm. Like, ends in sauce? Uh, yes. How is it spelled? <laughs> Naxos. N-A-X-O-S. Oh, yeah. Naxos. Yeah. Maybe it's just because the narrator had a British accent. I don't know. <laughs> oh! I wonder! Okay. I'll do it. So... I think she has a personality up until Theseus leaves her on the island. And then I think she has, like, a, what I think could probably be called, like, a trauma response. Which is just to, like, shut down until Dionysus shows up. So, maybe, maybe, let me see if I can, like, say what happens to Ariadne in this book, if I can, like, count it on five fingers. Ariadne helps Theseus kill the Minotaur and flees with him. Compound sentence. Um, Ariadne gets left on Naxos after she sleeps with Theseus because... Oh, I'm... That's... Because he sucks. Three, (laughs) Dionysus comes back to the island and, like... I think Ariadne and Dionysus fall in love with each other. I, like, don't think that it is, like a, like, godliness, like, tricking a mortal. Yeah, Um, I agree. She has five kids with Dionysus and then tries to save her sister from bad decision-making. And five, Mm -hmm. she leaves her island to, like, convince her husband that she doesn't, he does not need to go to war with Perseus and for her troubles, um, gets turned to stone. Yes. I think that is all. Those are the five things that happen, yeah. Um, here's what I'll say about her getting turned to stone. Well, mm, mm, how do we want to do like this? That was, like, my favorite part of the book. Was when she got turned to stone. Yeah. Or, like, the whole Perseus, Dionysus, like, I, like, couldn't conflict. get into that part. I don't know. It just seemed like really sudden at the end. Like obviously he had talked about Perseus a few times since they're like half brothers as Zeus is their father. Um and I don't know, but like still not enough for me to like really understand what their conflict was other than the fact that Hera didn't like Dionysus but she did like Perseus. Um, and then, I mean, I understand it. I just feel like it wasn't like, I don't know. It wasn't mentioned enough for me to not think it seemed like really sudden when they went to Perseus. Where does he live? Argos. Wherever Perseus lives. Argos. Okay. Um, and decide to wage war against him because Perseus 
doesn't want anyone on his island um, or in his city um, praying to Dionysus. Well, and, like, we have to think about what we know about demigods, which is, like, having that god or goddess whispering in your ear your whole life makes you kind of crazy. And for Perseus, it made him puritanical. I think Dionysus is, like, a very good character at the beginning, and he is exactly what Ariadne needs, which is, like, someone who is not asking anything of her. Like, he's not really asking her to do anything besides, like, do what she wants, which for her was to, like, have babies and be a mother. I do think the, the like, portrait of, like, differing motherhood painted in this book is really interesting, Mm-hmm. Because, I like, agree. Ariadne is like, I love to pop out babies. I've had five of them. I love them very much. I, like, mm-hmm. I I don't think that it is, like, inappropriate for her to want to just, like, bury her head in the sand in Naxos and not think about the outside world. Because, one, it takes a very long time for her to find out that her father is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, And for her to leave the relative safely of Naxos safety of Naxos would like she believes I think to inevitably end in her death at her father's hands um Mm -hmm. because I the book starts with Ariadne telling a story about her father who had done exactly what Theseus does to her which is like trick a young princess into like doing something for his gain But unlike Theseus, who, I don't know, you could say is merciful and, like, leaves her on the island, like, Minos is like, I can't believe you'd betray your family like that. I don't trust you at all. And he, like, fucking drowns her. Here's what is confusing to me is nobody knew that she was the one that led Theseus out, except for Daedalus, who would never tell, and Phaedra, who would also never tell. And Theseus, but like, so that's why I was a little confused at points because she was like immediately like, I can never go back there. Like I betrayed my um, city, like everyone would hate me, but I'm like, no one knows that you did anything. Like for all they know, you were just like kidnapped by Theseus. Well, after she fled, I don't think there's any way that she can go back. Because even it, like, you have to think about how it was for Pasiphae. Like, no one really cared that she was, like, driven to madness by Poseidon. They were just like, oh, that freak. Like, and now we have the fucking, like, Minotaur in our basement. And it's so scary and bad. You Mm -hmm. know? Whereas, like... If she flees, like, those whispers are going to follow her the same way they followed her mother. And, like, Minos maintains power in his court by being, like, very heavy-handed. Like, he is... Let's see. Use that, use that, like, poli-sci minor and help me come up with what he is as a leader. Is he an autocrat? No, is I don't a have monarch? a poli-sci minor. <laughs> you have, like, two years of a poli-sci degree. That didn't get you a minor? No, I needed Jesus. to take two more classes, and I was like, no thanks. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, but anyway, he is like, he is like... He's a um, bit dictatorial, yeah. Yeah, like, at least in personality, I guess you probably have to name him as a monarch, but like, he's pretty mm-hmm. dictatorial. 
And, like, the thing about dictators is they maintain power by, like, silencing any whispers. And, like, he did not need to silence whispers about Pasiphae because she was, like, still an obedient wife. But, like, Mm. oh, you know why else she had to run, right? She didn't want to marry that king from Cyprus. That's true, but he had already left because he was so, like, perturbed by the incident of Theseus, like, uh rabid like stealing all of their belongings and like killing the minotaur and everything like that right but like she fled with theseus before the king of cyprus left so she also would have been soiled goods and useless to her father i guess so yeah so i think we probably gotta talk about like I could see how Ariadne is, like, not particularly compelling, but I want to talk a little bit about how I think her choice to, like, marry and stay with Dionysus, Dionysus, like, is, like, her claiming agency over her own life, and also, like, how, like, her choice to, like, stay on Naxos and, like, build a family there, like, is her, like, exercising agency. I was just gonna say, I think you can exercise agency and still be interesting. (laughs) And I think she did exercise agency, but was uninteresting at the same time, if that makes sense. But do you think that's because you, like, do you think that you personally, like, find stories of motherhood interesting? I think I... I think I really appreciated, not to, like, compare early, but I think I really appreciated Cersei's motherhood in that she obviously, like, I I don't know. I think it was more, I don't even, maybe I just don't like Jennifer Saint's writing is <laughs> what I'm learning. I could see I that. I, I also had beef with um, her book Electra because I think that... Maybe my complaint about Ariadne, the character, is, like... And maybe this is your same same complaint with, like, why did she feel like she couldn't go back? Like, myths see choices as very black and white. Mm-hmm. So it is frustrating that Jennifer Saint, as an author, chose to, like, really delve into these characters. But still made them make only black and white choices. You think maybe that's it? Here, I guess maybe this is what, if her, like, only, like, sense, if her, like, choices that she had and her sense of agency was, like, being a mother on Naxos, then I think I would have wanted to hear more in depth about her being a mother on Naxos instead of just, like, carrying around Thermopylae or whatever that kid's name is. That's true. I also think this runs into the same issue that lots of myth books seem to, which is that, like, time passes in a very confusing way Mm, mm -hmm. yeah i think i would have wanted to hear so like suddenly she just had five kids and i was like wait what and then like we didn't really hear about them again yeah i also think it's slay that she gets turned to stone yeah i can't quite articulate it yeah i think that like that to me was like her if we're talking about agency, I think that was, like, really where... And what's unfortunate is it was, like, the last seven and a half minutes of the book. (laughs) 
um, where she decides, like, I need, like, what I need to do and my, like, purpose here is to, like, try and save these, like, hundreds of women that just lost their children. And, like, the only way I can do that is to, like, get through this entire battlefield and try and, like, try my hand at speaking with Perseus, who seems more reasonable than Dionysus. Um, And she was like, if I can just get to him, then, like, I can save these women. And I was like, hell yeah. And even though, like, she was, like, turned to stone in the end, I thought that that was really interesting. Like, the way that it was, like, kind of, like, a slow process. Like, she still had, like, a lot of time to think um, as she was, like, being turned to stone. And I also... um, I don't know, like, even if that was, like, her last decision, like, she was turned to stone, like, for something. Like, obviously, it would have been also Slay if she could have, like, saved all of these women. But I think just, like, her making that attempt, (laughs) even if it didn't work out, um, is, like, the point where I was most, like, interested in Ariadne, like, and the choices that she made. So do you think that all of the Maenads who came, is that how you say that? I think they, she says menads, which menads. is so confusing. Yeah. Okay. So all of the menads who live, wait, I'm going to do some, some quick background work. So Dionysus female followers are called the menads. The menads come to Naxos to be away from men. And he used to just lead them through like little cutesy rites. And then he like, really turned into a cult leader where he was like having them like rip goats apart and then he would bring them back to life yeah and the really the really fucking awful thing that he does at the end of this book is he kills all of the babies in argos he forces the women to bring them his children and he was going to prove what a god he was by like having them all kill their children and then bringing them back to life. And instead, he kills them all because bringing a goat back to life is very different than bringing a human back to life. Yeah. I mean, you can at least, like, I it I appreciated that, like, it clearly wasn't his intention to, like, not bring the children back to life, even though he did literally murder them all in cold blood. <laughs> But, like, the whole thing with the gods is it's their, like, never their intention to, like, hurt people on purpose. Except for Hera. She's really a bitch. I feel like some people like hurting some gods, like, hurting people on purpose. That's true, but, like, a lot of times they're just like, I'm proving my godly might. The reason I'm hurting you is because you have affronted me. And the women of Argos did nothing to Dionysus. What? How? Dionysus? Because, like, you can tell that I really was out here reading Percy Jackson as, like, a fifth grader being, like... Me as well. I got it. I got it. I'm sure this is how it's pronounced. (laughs) um, Yeah, I also think that, like, the the concept of, like, you will leave Naxos to me and the women. Like, Mm -hmm. you will not come there anymore. There will be no more rights women are welcome yeah. there, I will care for them. Like, it feels very, like, Cersei-esque in that, like, yeah. there will always be a witch on Ayaya. Like, there should always be, like, a safe haven for women on Naxos. Right. Which, again, like, is something that we... Because, like, she has a hesitancy to, like, even speak to the women on Naxos, like, 
for literally the entire book until like close to the end when she's like maybe I should finally figure out what the hell Dionysus is doing when all of these women come back from the woods and they're covered in blood Um, yeah and she just like waits so like I understand why you would not want to be privy to that but like also I'm like girly please do something I'm bored (laughs) okay do we want to move to Phaedra Yes, because there is also much to say. <laughs> so, lol, I wrote, um, Goddamn Tragedy of Hippolytus, and then mm-hmm. underneath that I wrote, in all caps, women can't have shit. And that is true, and that is something that you learned from this book. <laughs> <laughs> so Phaedra is Ariadne's younger sister, she ends up marrying Theseus, and for five years, from when she's 13 until she's 18, she's just, like, killing it in Athens. She is, like, Mm -hmm. making friends with the women, she is, like, manipulating Theseus into going on his little adventures and then pretending all the work she's doing in court is because Theseus told her to, and it is, like, is kind of a sleigh. And then she turns 18, she marries Theseus... And then this woman gets pregnant and has really bad postpartum depression. Yeah, I found that part of the story like so interesting because I it's not like a story that you hear about very often. But I feel like not to be like depressing and anecdotal, but that I feel like is a major reason why I well there are many reasons why I will not be having children but one of them is I'm like okay but what if like I don't like them what if I'm like ooh, gross and she is just like she's like I'm not I don't think I was like meant to be a mother and I think that is valid and like an interesting part of her storyline and also like it it makes a lot of sense when you know we'll talk about later how how phaedra dies um and i think that makes a lot of sense as to why she really thinks that like she has no more reason to live or like has a way out because even though she has children she like doesn't quite care about them i think it's also also like i think that jennifer saint did a good job of like very subtly talking about the importance of community for women Especially Mm -hmm. in situations like Phaedra was in, because, like, she, instead of accepting help, is like, no, I'm going to care for my child, I'm going to, like, force myself to love my child, but, like, she talks about as her child becomes more independent, she begins to like him more, and then, like, Mm -hmm. she gets pregnant again, it, like, fucks everything up in her brain again, but, Mm -hmm. like, like, it was, I think, subtle of Jennifer Saint to, like, show us Phaedra just like sending away all the help that she could have had and I think it would have been interesting and I like wish this for Phaedra and it's like more of that black and white character development of like well I won't be accepting help my I like will learn to love my child like I just like wish that like we could have seen like a little more character development in terms of like willingness to accept help and like knowing that you are not right all the time like Phaedra really spends the whole book being like, we're going to do it my way. I don't know. I think that's like what I like about her because she is like so like, I don't think Ariadne has that much character development and also like not much of a 
distinct personality whereas like phaedra like also doesn't have very much character development but at least has like a distinct personality that is you are able to describe yeah that's fair i also think it might be like an eldest daughter youngest daughter thing because i am sure Mm. that ariadne got more of her like shitty father's attention than phaedra did and phaedra also saw the effects of the in, like the impregnation of Pasiphae, like and the madness that descended on her like Phaedra was so young she like doesn't really remember their mother before she went crazy but like Ariadne like part of the reason she spent her whole life trying not to offend was because she saw the effect of offending on her mother and was like desperate not to have the eyes of the gods on her in a way Mm -hmm. that, like, Phaedra didn't really care about. Right. (sighs) Should we talk about Hippolytus, or should we wait to talk about Hippolytus till we get to the perfect man? Ooh. Yeah, let's wait. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Are we good with Phaedra, then? I think we are. I think so, yeah, because we'll definitely need to come back to her a lot. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, Minos. There's not much to say. Um, I do think it kind of rocks... That Daedalus is the one who kills him. Oh, hell yeah. Like, that, that is, that is, to borrow your terminology, that is a slay. It is a slay. I mean, Minos spent, Minos, like, also goes a little bit insane and decides that, like, the thing that he cares about is not really that, um, Theseus, like, came and, like, plundered and stole his two daughters and, like, you know, all of these things, but rather that, um, that Daedalus would leave, would, his, like, prisoner would try and escape, um, and so he spends literally the rest of his life, like, in disguise searching for Daedalus to try and bring him back to the island, because if he doesn't have the Minotaur and he doesn't have Daedalus, then he, like, literally has nothing. Yeah. It is fun to see a shitty, powerful man taken down. Yeah. I just wish it wasn't, like, at the hands of Theseus. Which, something we should talk about when we talk about Theseus is, like, the way in which he chooses to kill the Minotaur. Like, why Jennifer Saint, like, chose that weapon instead of being like, oh yeah, he brought his sword. Yeah. But let's talk about Pasiphae, and then we'll be on Theseus. Snake-ass Theseus. Yeah. So this is just, like, very, very different than the Pasiphae and Circe. She, like, gets Mm -hmm. fucked over the same same way that, like, every single woman in the story does. Um, Like, I wonder what I meant here in this note. Like... Are you reading my note, maybe? (laughs) No, I think... I think I'm reading, like... So, I th- I put, do we think it's for the best and, like, the less you know better kind of deal? So, like, do we think no, that- No, I wrote that, Tucker. You wrote that? <laughs> yes, okay, what, did you, what did you mean by that? I, I don't know. I worked on the outline at the airport, so I was really, like, really gutting it out. And I was switching between this outline and the outline for next week's episode, so I really You're was like, just like- I can't wait to figure out what I wrote as by the time that we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, I just said, like, you know, obviously we mentioned that this, the Pasiphae in Ariadne is really different from the Pasiphae in Circe for many reasons. And, like, it's, again, we mentioned that, uh, women can't have shit and, like, really get fucked over in this story. But, like, do we think that, like, is Pasiphae, like, the only woman that, like, 
isn't like horribly depressed by the idea of like what her life has become in a way like because she is unaware and like has gone insane so that's okay so here's what i mean by that like obviously it sucks that poseidon was like i'm gonna make her crazy um so she doesn't know it's going on but like don't you think that she is like in a way like having in her mind a better time than ariadne and pacifei are having in their minds no i think pacifei knows exactly what happened to her and that is what drove her mad i don't think her brain is like blocking out what happened i think she grieves the death of her son i think she grieves the death of her oldest son i think she grieves the loss of her daughters through the death of the minotaur like i think that this woman knows what the gods have done to her and like is like trapped in her brain so okay that's what i was gonna say so it's rather that she's locked in there like with her thoughts as opposed to like having no thoughts yeah i think her i think that the trauma response she's having is so bad that she Mm. like cannot like she has like practically become like nonverbal because Mm -hmm. she just like cannot put into words or like cannot speak of like what has been done to her no i like i i don't think it is for the best Mm. I like I don't think a woman going through so much trauma that she like loses the ability to speak means that she doesn't know what happened to her see that's just I think my what I was hoping because like I said like this past phase is so different from the one that I am familiar with and Cersei so it's like hey so like maybe um she just like doesn't remember anything and like that would be nice right if she just like doesn't know she just like blocked everything out so she's just sort of like you know she's just like vibing <laughs> that that was my hope yeah i think the bad part about like all of these stories is that like n- the the women just be losing like, mm-hmm. and I think that we just probably need to think that they are, like, losing in the worst way we can think of, like, pretty much every time. Great. Espe- especially with the way that Ariadne was written with, like, how black and white the choices seem to be. I don't mm-hmm. think that, like, well, and, like, there's no mercy. There's no mercy to Phaedra or to Ariadne because, like, This book is cobbled together from, like, multiple different ancient tales. Like, there's the Minotaur, and then there is also, like, Seneca's something. That is where the the play where the story of Phaedra is from. And then the story of the Minotaur does not, like, contain the story of Dionysus and Ariadne and Perseus. Like, she has cobbled it all together, so she, like had the ability to change the ending she like could have done it differently and she chose to like stick with the tales Mm -hmm. which makes me think that like she like is writing this story to be as blunt as possible even when the women are given more personality and more agency and more ability to make choices like when it comes down to it like you can probably assume the worst because of the time period that it's in Mm mm-hmm Okay. Now, do we want to move on to the perfect man of which there is none? <laughs> of which there is zero. Okay. 
I labeled these little sections as Theseus the snake, Dionysus the god, and Hippolytus the chast. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the snake. Yeah. Homeboy sucks. He's... There is not a truthful thing that comes out of this man's mouth the entire time. No, there sure is not. Like, he doesn't even really seduce Ariadne. She just, like, thinks he's so interesting that she, like, can't look away. She just thinks he's sexy and has green eyes. And then he just, like, oh my god, oh my god. And, (laughs) uh, like, the one of the snakiest things he does... Is like ref- like tell Phaedra to go to the wrong spot and then like mm-hmm. not take her off the island. Like yeah, he absolutely gaslights her. He could have gotten her killed. He could have. Oh yeah, yeah. everyone is using the word gaslight wrong all the time. But in this situation, he Theseus really is, is like gaslighting. is is like the epitome of a male gaslighter. He is so terrible. Yeah, he was like, Phaedra, why don't you go to these rocks? And um, I won't tell you this, but I will be on the complete opposite side of the island so that we do not cross paths ever again. And then when she brings it up to him, he's like, I didn't say that. You probably heard me wrong. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said West. What? <laughs> yeah, it's really terrible. Yeah. I do think that, like, it is good that she is so, he's so easily manipulated. Like, I think it is very True. fun that we have, like, a man with, like, the world's biggest ego who just, like, Phaedra's like, well, shouldn't you be on an adventure? And he's like, oh my god, you're so right. I should be on an adventure. And then he leaves. And she's just like, perfect. I get to live in my little house, in my little kingdom, and every once in a while, Theseus will come back. But, like, mostly, I get to just, like, invent the Olympics, which is something she does in this story. (laughs) Wait, what? Oh, yeah, she sure does. Dang, I forgot yeah, that. Yeah, never her. forget, guys. A woman did invent the Olympics. Good for her. Don't let anyone tell you different. <laughs> um, But, like, he leaves Ariadne to die on an island. It's actually almost, like, kind of cruel for him to leave her food. Like, that's, like, really fucked up. So he, like, leaves Ariadne on this island. He, like, they bang. Ariadne's like, we're getting married, my prince. And then she wakes up and the bed is cold and like she's all alone and she goes down and he's left her like a wedge of cheese and some crackers and some olives. That's so fucked up. Does he leave that for her or is that like part of Dionysus? Like Dionysus has enchanted the island to where they're never, food never runs out. But is that only after he comes back to the island? That's that's only after he comes back to the island. She, like, is truly okay. alone on Naxos Damn. until then. So, I don't know. I think, personally, like, if I were marooned on an island by a man, like, I would... I think it would make me madder if he, like, just, like... He just, like, leaves her enough food to extend her torment. Because she just... She just knows for longer that she's going to die. Yeah. Ugh. And then he just, like, is slippery and slimy and lies the whole time him and Phaedra are married. Like, Theseus sucks. And he is always telling these, like, braggadocious stories where he's like, I'm the world's biggest hero and here's why. But if you, like, listen to it, like, Phaedra starts being able to, like, pick out, like, oh, and here's where he's overselling again. Yeah. Is, wasn't it, um, was it Dionysus that, who, 
oh, oh, it was Heracles. Heracles that got Theseus out of um, Tartarus? the underworld. Yeah. Yeah. Theseus goes to the underworld and he fucks it up and Heracles has yeah. to come save him. Yeah, but of course he does not tell anyone that and Phaedra learns that like secondhand and she's like, oh, well, this guy sucks. He does suck. Oh, my God. So he is not the perfect man. <laughs> I think that he, frankly, is potentially more toxic than Achilles. Yes, I think that is true, because at least Achilles loved one person and didn't <sighs> lie. <laughs> and, like, also, the reason that his son Hippolytus is in this book is because Theseus, like, kidnapped and raped an Amazon. How old is Theseus? Okay, so actually, he's a little bit older. So he's, like... Let's see, when does Hippolytus come into the story? Like, at least a decade after? So I think he's probably, like, almost 30 when he kills That's the That's what I'm trying to figure out, because I'm like, what? how old is Hippolytus compared to Phaedra, and how old is Theseus compared to Phaedra? Um, I think that Hippolytus is, like, 18, and I think that Theseus is probably, like, in his 30s yeah like 15 years older than her so i think that she's 13 he's like 28 so when she's 23 he's like 38 and hippolytus is like 18 okay okay that makes sense yeah i don't in the myth of in the in the in like seneca's play i think phaedra is like quite a bit older like the stepmother stepson thing is like really fucked up but, like, um, mm. oh, let's talk about Theseus's club. So, yeah. another reason yeah. that I don't like Theseus is that when he kills the Minotaur, he, like, clubs him to death. And, like, just, mm-hmm. like, there's, like, blood and guts everywhere. I prefer it. Like, and he brought his own weapon and snuck it in. And, like, they, like, brought it to him and hid it in the labyrinth. So, I don't really understand why the, like, Minotaur... Like, I don't understand why it had to be so brutal, except, like, we are to understand that Theseus is a brutal man. Yeah, the uh, Jennifer Saint always, like, she keeps describing, like, the bloody body and remains of the Minotaur as, like, gristle, and that makes my stomach turn. (laughs) But it's supposed to. Yeah. So she does a good job of that. (laughs) Dionysus the god. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote, he's really a bi icon until he gets, you know, a little bit culty and uh, fucking insane. Um, But at the beginning, he's nice. (laughs) At the beginning, he's really nice. He, like, tells, he tells Ariadne all these stories of, like, why he is a better god to mortals than other gods. And he, like, he, like, sorry, I'm yawning. It's okay. (laughs) He is a better god to mortals. He, like, cares for them better. He, like, doesn't care about, like, being worshipped the way that another god does. And, like, the further we get into the book, we understand, like, more and more why that's so untrue. Mm-hmm. I, like, wonder if what, like, really flips him is he, like, hasn't really dealt with disrespect from mortals before. And, like, that's why he goes so crazy about Argos and Perseus is he's, like... I, like, don't understand why these mortals won't, won't hang out with me. Like, I kind of rock. Um, I don't know. The whole, the whole goat thing, like, kind of freaky, but, like, regular, regular god stuff. 
I also don't know why he thinks he's the only god who can bring things back to life on the brink of death. Like, I feel like probably all gods can do that, and they just, like, figured it out a lot sooner than he did. Well, is that true? I guess Zeus did it with him. Exactly! I just, like, I, that. that is a godly ego talking. I, he might be, he might be the most interesting character in terms of character development in the book, which is, like, sure. not really what you want to be saying with that, like, is meant to... For a book that's, like, meant to be centered on women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely does a big 180. Where he, like, kills hundreds of babies. Uh-huh. Yikes! At the beginning, he's really a bi-icon. I cannot stress that enough. But then at the end, he really is freaking everyone out. And he, like, really is so nice at the beginning. And, like, he, there's no, he does not, like, trick Ariadne into falling in love with him he is like patient with her and kind and like they argue and then like solve their conflict and he like tells the truth of Mm -hmm. what he is and then he quits telling the truth of what he is um yeah let's see he is he is not the perfect man he is toxic as we are coming to find out all of them are toxic um truly yearning yearning to read a Greek myth book where the men are not toxic, but that's kind of, like, not the thing. Yeah, maybe in a way these are all the perfect men because the perfect man, someone who is perfectly a man, is very toxic. No! Oh, Bailey! No! (laughs) Don't cut that out! Leave it in! (laughs) I won't! I won't cut it out! Oh my gosh! I, I, I I stand by what I said. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to Hippolytus the Chast. So, Hippolytus? I think it's Chaste. Chaste? And I'm sorry to say that. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I think you're right. Mm, mm. And I am really sorry to oh, say that. Oh, that's so embarrassing. That's okay. <laughs> Everyone, by the end of this podcast, people are going to know I don't know how to say a single word. Do we, do we need to talk <laughs> about Do we need majors. to talk about the read receipts, read receipts thing? Oh my god, no, I do not mention this. Nobody sh- nobody should know about it. <laughs> that I've been saying read receipts for four years and no one has corrected me. It doesn't make sense to say read receipts. <laughs> Except it rolls off the tongue. Apparently, guys, it's read receipts and no one told me that except for that batshit cut article. <laughs> Okay, I will post a poll about it when this podcast goes oh, up, and I will say, you. do you say read the Well, that'll also receipts? be proof of whether or not people are actually listening all the way through the episodes. And that is true. Um, and you're right. Hippolytus! Hippolytus the yes. Chaste. Okay, so Hippolytus is this- He is a horse, horse guy. Horse yes, boy. he is the son of Hippolyta and Theseus. Hippolyta is the queen of the Amazons. She was kidnapped by Theseus and then raped, and then he leaves because all of the Amazonian warriors. Damn, life would have been so much better for so many people, except for the 14 Athenian tributes, um, if uh, the Amazons had killed Theseus. Um, oh, it would have been so slim. But anyway, the reason that Hippolytus is in this story is because Phaedra gets the hots for her stepson. okay okay but like telemachus telemachus was practically practically cersei's stepson and we were kind of like we don't like it but it's okay yeah and that's 
maybe this is an unpopular opinion. That's kind of how I feel. Because, like, she's not really his stepmom. Like, oh my god, she di- she's 23. We made up those numbers. She's 23 and, like, yeah. <laughs> in love with her 18-year-old stepson who, like, she, like, did not know until he was an 18-year-old. Like, frankly, I have been in a bigger age gap relationship than that. Like, why is everyone acting like it's so crazy? Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm so sorry. Like, falling in love with someone that you are not actually related to is not the same thing as Poseidon making you crazy until you are, like, impregnated with a monster. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Okay, I'm... And we are on the same page in this, in this sense. I, I, (laughs) someone, if anyone is a Greek scholar and wants to send me a little message about how old Phaedra is in comparison to Hippolytus, we can talk about it. The thing that is messed up is she does not respect that he, like, is chaste and, like, sworn to, chaste, is chaste and is sworn to (laughs) Artemis. It is so funny that she, like, cannot believe that he does not want to fuck. She's like, there has to be a specific reason. Like, it can't just be that he's, like... First of all, he's a man that grew up exclusively with Amazonian women. Like, first of all. He also, he also, frankly, was probably scared for his life to, like, be lustful. Yeah. And he's very dedicated to Artemis, and I think that is great because every man should be. <laughs> he's and he just he just likes hanging out with his horses. And like is like such a horseman that some people like will see him in the distance and think he's like a centaur because he Damn. is like such an excellent horseman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess we haven't told you guys what happens. So yeah. Phaedra her hand is kind of forced. Because Ariadne comes to Athens to be like, girly, don't do it. Don't do it. And Phaedra's like, I'm gonna do it. And then she tells Hippolytus that she's in love with him and they should run away together while Theseus is gone. And Hippolytus is like, stepmom, no. <laughs> He's like, stepmom, no. Um, So, yeah. like, I guess maybe we should be kind of freaked out because, like, it is a, he, like, sees her as a mother figure. But frankly... That's weird from him. Yeah, I don't know why. Again, we really don't know their ages, so (laughs) maybe, like, he is right in this way, and it really is, like, quite creepy, but... Well, and the other thing is, the reason that we think that Hippolytus is older, or at least the reason I think Hippolytus is older, is because I don't think... I, like, I don't care how much of a demigod you are, like, you as a 14-year-old boy are not overpowering the queen of the Amazons. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like, she's a famed warrior. You, like, aren't even old enough to really be able to hold an erection. Like. Yeah. Like, I'm it sorry. Do, it, it it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't it really make any doesn't. sense. Yeah. So. Um, I, oh, yeah, we should finish telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, stepmom, no. And then. She, he, like, runs away on his horse, and she hears the horns that say Theseus is back, 
in the harbor. And so she writes a note to Hippolytus, but the only thing the note says is Hippolytus. (laughs) And so then she hangs herself and Theseus like sees the note and is like, Hippolytus did this. And then he goes and he kills his like very good son. Here, okay, let's go into this a little bit more because I do, I appreciate that Phaedra like immediately sees the error of her ways after Hippolytus like denies her and like rides away on his little horsey. And I, I, she, so what she does is, you know, she's like, I think I'm in love with you and let's run away together. And Hippolytus is like, stepmom, no. And she's like, oh crap, you're right. That is like pretty weird. And also I think the reason that I felt this way is not really because I was like so in love with you, but because you were like my most um, viable like plan of escape. Like if we ran away together, then I wouldn't have to be here with Theseus. I wouldn't have to be here with my children that I may or may not love. I like already fucked things over with Ariadne like I you're my only way out and when he's like actually I'm not she's like shit like I there's nothing else I can do and she kills herself well and she also thought that Hippolytus was gonna go tattle and then Theseus was gonna kill her and it was gonna be so much worse exactly So that's why she wrote the note. She was going to say, Hippolytus, like, don't tell Theseus whatever you do. And then she was like, you know what, that's stupid. Because then if Theseus finds this letter, then it's going to be obvious what I have, what has been done anyway. So she was like, you know what, Hippolytus? And that's all it said. (laughs) Oh, oh, that was very good comedic timing. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, women be losing. And then here's what also I didn't like is that Ariadne is like not doesn't seem very upset. She's just like sees her dead sister and then is like, hmm, don't want to look at this. But also like, don't hurt Hippolytus Theseus. He didn't do anything. And also like, dang, I guess I should go back to my island now. And like nothing. I so, like, I get that it's been, like, many moons since they've seen each other, and they sort of, like, left things on a bad note, but, like, you saw your little sister hanging from a tree. Yeah. I also think we have to remember they, like, haven't seen each other in the last decade very much. I also, like, she came to the island, she came to Athens for a fruitless task. Like, mm-hmm. she was just going to try her best, but she was pretty sure this was going to end in death and heartbreak, and then it ended in death and heartbreak. I don't know, that felt the most mythologically realistic to me, that she, like, did not, like, fall down and begin wailing. She was just like, oh, yeah, this is how it goes. Like, women Mm. get fucked. I'll go back to my, like, (laughs) island where I'm safe. I'm not saying that it is, like, not upsetting that she does not really grieve for her sister. The pacing of this book is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. but I do think that like I don't begrudge the way that she acted because I think she also was responding to like a dangerous situation like with fear mm-hmm. yeah damn and then she gets turned to stone and then she gets turned to stone um Hippolytus all done Dionys- Dionysus all done Theseus done Goodreads Goodreads. Okay, Okay. my comments are first. (laughs) 
Okay, that's one of them is funny. Oh, I was gonna say, um, it is objectively funny that every week Bailey has to text me and be like, "You haven't put any Goodreads comments in the outline," (laughs) and I have to be like, "Ooh, you right." Okay, please, this is my favorite part. Okay, get after it. So, um, I have a funny one, and then I have a not as funny one. Um, the funny one is someone commented in all caps, more Greek mythological retellings. Yes, yes, yes. And then promptly afterward, update. I didn't love it as much as I hoped I would. <laughs> and that is also how I felt. So I was like, okay, relatable. Um, and then this is the other comment that I put that is like more in depth agreeing with how I felt and not as funny of a way but in a really well-written way it says um I would not say this was a feminist retelling in any way honestly so I would warn others who might read it for such things as it has been advertised as such as Ariadne makes one decision in the beginning of the book and then becomes a brittle little leaf in the wind blowing whichever way at the mercy of the men around her The entire book felt like you were holding your breath on the edge, waiting for something to happen, waiting for that moment to start caring for the characters or be stunned by an amazing plot point just for none of that to occur. And I did feel that way. I just I I disagree with the fact that it is not a feminist retelling because Mm -hmm. I think it is a feminist retelling as much as it could be like like either you want it to be as with the myth or you do not want it to be like you can't have both. I think I didn't realize that it was ever again I didn't actually have the physical copy of the book really so I like never read the back of it and I also don't read any like um comments about it before I read because spoilers um so I think like I was not informed that it was like advertised as a feminist retelling and so I like didn't have that thought in my mind like as I was reading it anyway so I don't think I was like as disappointed as like other people who thought that it wasn't a feminist retelling I was just like damn once again women are losing which is I mean that's what happened though that is that's women are losing women that is true keep losing yeah Okay, so my first comment I will be going in on. Um, <laughs> it says, Just an appallingly written book leaning entirely on an existing wonderful story. To compare this to Madeline Miller's Circe or Song of Achilles is unforgivable. Okay. <laughs> this is better written than the Song of Achilles. I'm sorry that it didn't have, like, your beautiful little pieces of prose about, like, the sun and Achilles' feet. But, like... To say that it is appallingly written is, like, I think deeply inappropriate. It has yeah. more character development than the Song of Achilles. Like, as much as it didn't have as much as we wanted it to, like, to say that it is, like, unforgivable to compare, like, an objectively better book just because Song of Achilles is popular, like, is stupid. Like, read better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, like, comparing Cersei and the Song of Achilles as, like, equally good yeah. is silly to me. <laughs> also, like, Patroclus, like, does less in the Song of Achilles than Ariadne does in this book. He's so boring. Yeah, He's, he's so it's... boring! Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Anyway, my next quote... That's another reason we're not talking, we're not saying who wrote the Goodreads comments is I don't, I don't want to be mean to strangers. Fair. Um, 
This book especially focused on the women in Greek mythology, and so many parallels and foreshadowing was told throughout the book. Throughout, through Scylla, Medusa, and Pasiphae's stories, this book explored how both of the sisters survived in circumstances that they weren't prepared for, how they are treated as a commodity and punished for men's actions. This book emphasized how women have been silenced in myths and the unfairness of women's positions in societies, but it also highlights how these women find strength in solitude or through power or with other women. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Yeah. Like, I think it just comes back to, like, how we're defining feminism. Mm-hmm. And, like, how we're defining agency. And, like, I think that this book, like, lacks some of the things that we want in a feminist feminist story in terms of, like, oh, I'm trying to think of something that's, like, really feminist that I have read. Oh, like, people are going to say that, like, the Akatar books are feminist because, like, women become warriors and things like that. But, like, women don't need to become more male to be feminist. Mm. Like, they don't need to do, like, more masculine things to, like, take... For it to be considered feminist. To, for it to be a feminist tale. So, uh-huh. I don't know. I agree with it. I think that it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that's the book. Damn, sorry we weren't very funny. <laughs> well, that's okay. Con- conflict, just- conflict is good for me! It's good for me! me. Um, yes! <laughs> So, thank you for listening. This is when all my friends are English majors. Please rate and review us on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please write me a review. Please, it tells me that there are people listening to it. Um, the Even if it's scathing, we want to hear it. No, that's not true. Send me an, <laughs> send me an email if you're going to be scathing so it can be in private. Um, true, yeah. Rate us five stars and then... Send, send me a email really mean email. If you're mad. Um, yeah. Follow us on Instagram at English Majors Pod. Bailey is killing it on the social media this month. Um, follow us on Twitter at English Majors Pod No I. And of course, you can always send me an email at English Majors Pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We have one more week with Bailey where we're going to talk about Greek Myth Month at a, as a whole, what we liked, what we didn't like, what we wanted more of, book recommendations. So if you guys are interested in that, tune back in for next. <gasps> Bailey! What? Was this book good? Did it make you feel good? Oh, no, I didn't like it. (laughs) Oh, no, I thought it was good, but it didn't make me feel very good. You would not buy it. I would not buy it. I already own it. You already own it, so it's a moot point. (laughs) I did buy it before I read it because it was before I was on my I'm not buying any books I haven't read van. That's not true. Mm, But I will say I did buy it uh, sight unread. The cover is beautiful, so if you're into just, like, aesthetic bookshelves, then definitely put that in. (laughs) No! Own books you love, people! Own books you love! Also that. And with all of that, (laughs) thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye!